God's love, does it have limits? Well, we're going to talk about that today in the Weekly Kingdom Outlook. Come and join me. Let's go. Well, greetings, folks. So glad that you've decided to plug into this week's uh, broadcast, and hopefully everything's looking good because we had uh, Todd in here, and so we had different cameras set up, and then you have to get this one all straightened back out and do all those kind of things. But hopefully it looks good. Hopefully it sounds very good to you, um, and I apologize if it's not. If there's something that comes out doesn't look as good as you'd like, or doesn't sound as good as it like, then let me know and we'll work on it for the next one. But right now everything looks and checking out all good. Okay. I'd like you to join me on other platforms that I do have. I am on Instagram. I have uh, three accounts with Louis D. Sienna, Louis D. Sienna Ministries, The Gate Church. If you want to see the one with my dog that me and my daughter do, then it's underscore we have faith. Uh, that's my dog. Uh, we have faith because her name is Faith. Uh, and then also, if you'd like, you can um, uh, get me on Facebook, Louis D. Sienna, Louis D. Sienna Ministries, and two pages, Louis D. Sienna Ministries and, and the Gay Church. Instagram, uh, sorry, not Instagram, on uh, YouTube. You can get me on both of those, Louis D. Sienna Ministries and the Gay Church. I'm also on Rumble under Louis D. Sienna Ministries. And then if you'd really like to, wherever I left my phone, you could just go ahead and download the gate uh, of church of jacksonville app you gotta put in the gate church of jacksonville look for our logo let me pull up that logo real quick let's see if i can do that there it is right there you want to use that logo and pull it up and then you can sit there and of course uh, get all this content because i do everything at least on the subsplash app there's some things i only do on subsplash some things i do on a array all the platforms and there's some things i only do on certain things so but subsplash is almost always involved so you can get onto there and then i'm on locals um where we have a page and you can see that on there and then uh so do that okay you can also find me at lewisdcm.com uh and i've got a lot of stuff on there you can become a partner and stuff like that if you so desire all right Whew. well today is a couple of days before hurricane uh in i am actually flying out um, I'm supposed to fly out on Thursday. We'll see if I make it. I'm not worried about the storm up here as much. I'm only gone for two days, but Kathy and, and Jessica will be here. But not really worried about the storm because by the time it comes to the land, it, we don't have a storm surge at our house. So I'm not worried about that. And uh, the wind, the wind, we have so many trees around us that, you know, on its way here, that it, it deadens the storm. It goes over land. If you've done enough of these, you experience this. It might say it's 60 mile an hour winds. But that is not what we'll get actually at the house. We'll probably get like 30, and, and that's not a problem and stuff like that. And so that's 60 in the storm, but that's not 60 on the ground because, the, you know, there's just too much obstruction to do that. Um, so we'll just see where it goes. We'll see if I even go to the airport Thursday morning. It might be your flight is canceled. So, uh, and then I'll see, you know, just have to reschedule that. But I'm supposed to be up with Todd. If you're going to be in the area in Rochester, whether I'm there or not, maybe you could be there. Rochester, New York, go to revivalharvestamerica.org and, uh, or right, I'm sorry, revivalharvestministries.org and go there. And Todd's got an event we're teaching on the, uh, the School of Revival. 
So we're going to have a great time up there with that and several different teachers. So maybe you can make it. If I can't, but maybe you can make it and you'll have a lot of fun. So if you're in the area up there, then uh, go ahead and take a, have a good time at it. Okay. <sighs> Let's go. We're going to talk about something very important, and uh, it's God's love. And if you didn't see Todd's uh, message on Sunday, and where, you know, Todd admits that, you know, he would preach God's love, but he never really received it for himself. And I'm not going to tell his story because he did two hours and 15 minutes. And that is, you know, you go, why was it so long? Well, he's trying to process everything that's happening and, and stuff like that. And he's still got a process to go. We all have processes to go through. And, and, uh, but I love watching the impact it's having on his life. And so let's, let's talk about God's love. And, um, and so we're going to start in Ephesians chapter 3, uh, verse 14. I'm going to read out of the Amplified Bible. I've done this so many times. This has been a... Uh, a key passage for me for over, well, let's see, 96, 26, seven years. So it's something that um, I discovered, uh, or God revealed to me. I shouldn't say I discovered it, but I revealed it. He revealed it to me because we don't discover anything unless he reveals it. All right, Ephesians 3, 14. For this reason, uh, seeing the greatness of the plan by which you are built together in Christ, I bow my knees before our Father of our Lord our Lord Jesus Christ, for whom every family in heaven and on earth is named, that Father from whom all fatherhood takes its title and derives its name. May he grant you out of the rich treasury of his glory and to be strengthened and reinforced with mighty power in the inner man by the Holy Spirit himself indwelling your innermost being and personality. May Christ, through your faith, actually dwell, settle down, abide, Make his permanent home in your hearts. Now, does this seem crazy that um, you're filled with the Holy Ghost and there's no more? And yet, here's a church that Paul certainly raised up with the Holy Spirit. We see that in Acts 19. And he's asking, may God, may, may, may God actually dwell. May, may Christ, through your faith, actually dwell and, and abide and settle down and make his permanent home in your hearts. May you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. I, the problem with people is not understanding the kingdom often comes to us in seed form and it progressively grows through faith. And because of that, they have this one-time experience that it's, if it's not all then, then you're not in faith and, you know, crazy stuff. And some people get into really crazy things like this because they, they have this, they have a truth sense. Like once you acknowledge the truth, that means that truth is settled and, you know, you have the fullness of it, but that's not, that's not at all true. And the all truth, when it's applied to us, progressively go, grows in revelation, understanding, and experience. And when we stop that track is where we get to some really, you get some really bizarre stuff. So um, may you be rooted deep in love and founded securely on love. You know, people go, well, you're supposed to be secure, founded on God's word. Okay. But under that is love. In other words, if you read God's word, not from the perspective of his love towards you, not your love towards him, his perspective of love towards you, you will get a skewed. Okay? Love, be uh, truth becomes a weapon. It becomes a um, uh, superiority thing. It becomes prideful. It doesn't become, you don't, you, you begin not to uh, 
uh, serve the Lord in truth, but you begin to serve truth itself, and 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 that leads to arguments. That leads to vain arguments. That leads to uh, separation, disputes, uh, denominationalism, all that stuff. That you may have the power and be strong to apprehend and grasp with all the saints, God's devoted people, the experience of that love. What is the breadth, the length, the height, and depth of it? That you may come to know practically through experience for yourself, which surpasses mere knowledge without experience, that you may be filled through all your being unto all the fullness of God, may have the richness measure of the divine presence and become a body wholly filled and flooded with God himself. Now to him who by the consequence of uh, the actions of his power that is at work within you, within us, is able to carry out his purpose and do super abundantly far over and above all that we dare ask, think infinitely beyond our highest prayers, desires, thoughts, hopes, and dreams. Okay. I know I'm not teaching on that scripture. I just want to set the basis of love. God is love. Um, I think we know that. First John 4b or 48b. God is love. We know that. We know that here. That doesn't mean everyone's experienced here and here. And so we're going to talk about some of these things of um, why is love is to be desired and sought after. Not in the way I mean seek after to try to earn God's love, but to seek out the experience of that love. In other words, I'm going to fellowship with you. I'm going to be intimate with you. I'm going to be, um, sur- I'm going to surrender, surrender to you. I'm going to yield. You. I'm going to sit and pray to you because the promise of me getting filled with your love. All right. So we're going to have four, three questions we're really going to ask in this one. Is that is, does God's love have a limit? Is there a limit to God's love? Or I was just saying, let me start with it. Um, first of all, we have to understand of God's love, he's limitless. Why? Because God is limitless. And so it's his nature. God has, God has no limit to himself. There is no limit to God. And, and you have to understand in the human side of thinking, we might think, man, I'm worn out with that person. I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore. Like, all right. But we have to understand that God's love isn't something you earn. And it's not something that when you call to him, he loved you. It actually says in 1 John 4, 19, that we love him. Because he first loved us. You know, when I was, you know, seeking God, I find that funny, and I'm going to explain why. That isn't actually what's going on. But, the, the you know, scriptures do present it as seeking God, like when you seek God. But when you're lost, like I was, and I was a good heathen, and I was certainly lost and without hope, without Christ in the world, um, that what I discovered, however, when I got saved and as I matured in the Lord, that I was not seeking him. I was seeking him who was calling me. Let me explain what I mean, the difference. I didn't just wake up one day and say, oh, there's got to be a God. Let me find him. That was actually in response to him loving me. It was all in response. Now, that's hard for people to grasp, but really... No one, Jesus said, no one can come to the Father unless God draws him. Jesus said, no one can come to me unless the Father draws him. And he only reveals to the Father whom he desires. That's Jesus. 
the Holy Spirit reveals Jesus. You understand that you're caught in this loop, but you didn't invent the loop. <laughs> and so to understand God's love is it's, it's by his decision. It's not just his nature and that you get to go, well, because God is love, he loves everyone, everything. But that's not true because he hated Esau. Now, you might really not like that. But Paul says that God did this to demonstrate the election. In other words, that you were chosen by God. And that because you were chosen by God, by the way, he's going back to God, chose Israel. But he's saying, look to the Gentiles now who are called out, who are Christ is revealed to, that God chose them too. So we're all now God's chosen people. And that's what scripture calls, okay, that God chose. Israel did not choose God. God chose Israel. Abraham did not choose God. God chose Abraham, okay? And we have to understand that God did not choose Lewis, or God chose Lewis. Lewis did not choose God. Lewis responded to God. And I did, in fact, at the end of that go, I choose you. I've discovered you, and, and I found you so marvelous. I'm choosing you. But it's always secondary to him first choose me. And I try to explain this to people. If you're, if you're in a crusade and there's 100,000 people that crusade, let's say 20 come to the altar, 20,000, I mean, come to the altar, every single one of them are responding, not just to the message, but to the call that God has called out their name. Okay. And that, that is, that is something, because this is what Jesus says. Him who denies me, I will deny him before my father. Well, what happens to the person when they accept them? You know? And how does someone accept them? The father is drawing us. Now, I always picture it this way because God, God doesn't do everything himself. He, he has servants, angels, and principalities, and powers, and thrones, and all these living creatures. And when God says, hey... I've, I've elected Louis D. Siena. I've chosen him. God spoke my name. And then angels are dispatched. And Holy Spirit begins to draw me. And he begins to put this desire in me that I didn't even know I had. And I believe that desire is in all men because Jesus is the light of the word. It's the light of men. And I, I believe that that light was in us. Matter of fact, they now know that when the sperm comes into the egg... They've caught this on, on film now. When the sperm comes into the egg and there's conception that there is this explosion of created light. There's a, Why? Because the light comes into the world and it's the light of men. It's so beautiful. And so, so you've got to understand this, that you couldn't even come to God unless he loved you. And our sense sometimes is to um, earn it. Now, this comes from our fathers, this comes from our mothers, this comes from our relationships, where maybe we had to earn everything all the time from them. And that's really dangerous, right? Because when you set up that pattern of always earning things, you set your children up for a very fallen pattern. My kids don't have to earn anything. Now, I do like them to be responsible for I will give them more uh, leeway. So in other words, like if I have a child who's just totally irresponsible, I might not give him a car. But as anyone knows me, I'm very merciful and very patient. I understand that there's a process. I have wonderful children. That's all the love of God because me and my wife could not really write a book on it. 
to be honest with you. We just tell you, well, we weren't good with scheduling or we weren't good with like control. Like we didn't have a lot of control where we didn't tell our kids to be bed at a certain time. Our kids just fell asleep. Now, um, now when they were babies, obviously not, we put them down and all that. But as they grew older, three or four or five, I worked shift work and Kathy would just let them stay up with to see me when I came home. And then they would sleep in late. They were homeschooled. So it was like, what difference does it make? They get up at 11 or they get up at 7. Makes no difference to them. They want to see their dad. And that was one of the ways they were able to do it. Because even if I went to the work in the morning, I'd be home, we'd have time. And then we'd go to bed earlier. You know, but if I was working late and and I didn't get home until 11.30 midnight, sometimes they would actually be up waiting for me. Now, this is when they were older, but they would be waiting for me and we'd play. Kathy would be sleeping. Jordan was the oldest and he would kind of watch him. He was 13, 14 and stuff like that at that time. And, and they would watch. Actually, he might have been that old. Let me see. I left my job in 06. So Jordan was 13. So uh, that was just kind of the thing. So maybe when he was 12 and and uh, they would stay up. And it was so much fun to come in the house. But we didn't have this like set rules. What we tried to do with our children was to love them and love God first. God first. God was love. God gave me loving God and being loved by God gave me the ability to love everyone. Without him, it's I'm not gritting my teeth to say I've got to love that person. I actually do love people. And I know that's the Holy Ghost because I didn't like anyone before I got saved. So I know it's the Holy Ghost. I know it's the work of God's love in me. All right. And I told you these three distinct times where I met God. Jesus, 89, and into 90, I was discovering who Jesus was. I met Holy Spirit. I was already praying in tongues for, uh, I guess, three years when I met Holy Spirit. And I told you that story. And then it was 96 that I met the Father and came to this immense revelation that the Father loves me. And... I didn't have to earn it. And I'll tell you what, that was such, you know, because, you know, part of my upbringing in the church was you don't want to get left behind, right? You ever hear that? You don't want to be left behind. You know, it was just all this fear factor. Um, if you sin, God's ready to judge you. God's going to be angry. Um, and I, I would say this, sin is displeasing to God, but doesn't, it's not, the, it's not God's anger and let God choose that. In other words, God does get angry. Scripture tells us he does. But let him deal with that. Instead of making these definite like boundaries and stuff, let God do that. Now, I'm not talking about moral failure. I, I believe in sexual purity. Uh, husband and wife only. Uh, not before marriage. Not outside your marriage. And certainly not between a man and a man or a woman and a woman. Okay? Because that's sexual purity. That's sexual morality described in God's word. But... I'm not talking about it's okay to rob a bank or anything. I'm talking about, you know, you fail. Maybe you have a, you see pornography or maybe, maybe as a wife, maybe it's just like you get bitter with your husband or maybe you flirted with a man or, okay, those are sins. And God is displeased with that, but it never shuts off the love. And I want to talk about that. Okay. So can we turn God's love off towards us? That's a really a really big question and it's it it requires us to go to the word again we're going to go to romans chapter 8 and we're going to read there and uh, i'll try to get this done um fairly within a half an hour to 45 minutes we'll see how good i do um but i i think that the way god's love god's love is optional and 
and truly, like no one can sit there and say God has to love anybody. Saying that is puts you in the, the lordship over God. God doesn't have to love anybody. Well, he is love, uh, but he doesn't have to love anybody. I'm kind, but I don't have to be kind to everybody. Okay, I'm kind to who I be choose to be kind to. Now, I choose to be kind to a lot of people, but that doesn't mean I, you can't tell me you have to be kind. Like, you can't tell me if a burglar comes to my house, well, you have to be kind to him. No, I don't. Okay, all right. But I'm a kind person. I'm a nice person, I feel, but I wouldn't. in that moment, my protection of my family would rise up and overrule my kindness. And so if you do things that are so extreme and so horrible that, and to protect, God being kind to me might mean God dealing with you outside of that kindness. Or, you know, understand? Okay. Verse 31, chapter 8 of Romans. Here we go. Let me, um, let me see if I can just do this because people calling me. People, people, people calling me. Let me, uh, let me just do this real quick, folks. Let me put this on Do Not Disturb. I thought I did that, but I did not. This way we don't get any more phone calls. All right. So let's read this. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? I'm not saying there's no one against you. It's just like, who cares? He who did not spare his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall we not with them also freely give us all things? Who shall bring a charge against God's elect? Is it God who justifies? Is God going to do it? He just justified you. And the charge is talking about is reason why you shouldn't go to heaven, why he shouldn't love you, why well, you're not you're not perfect. You know, a lot of times we think that we have to get perfect for God's love. And no, his love is to perfect us. Okay? You're not perfect to receive his love. If you keep receiving his love, it will perfect you in his love. Okay. The problem we have is we don't like sloppy. Okay, we don't like the mess. You know, when I told Bill Johnson 15 years ago about the power of God hitting my church and the miracles we were seeing, Bill handed me a tape, actually threw the tape to me, and it was called There Are No Poopless Cows, and he said, you're going to need this. And what it's dealing with, if you're going to go after the kingdom and you're going you're to empower people to go after God and to seek him, it's going to create some messes. And you have to have the ability to correct when you need to, but not correct in anger, to be loving, to to encourage them still to, yeah, you know, you went off there. You know, when you, maybe when you went on the stage and you did a somersault, maybe that wasn't the best thing to do, <laughs> you know. But at the same time, for me, it's like, all right. And I, I've allowed some real exploration that way. I'm not talking about sinful. I'm not talking about, you know, you know, anything that's, but I'm saying sometimes we just want people to sit there and go like this and not, not be excited. Not I want I want the excite. I want them to to express themselves, to shout out to God. But sometimes we we like everything neat. I want someone who goes and tries to pray for healing, and maybe they don't do it right and it doesn't work or whatever. And I don't want I, I want to help them. Hey, let me see if I can adjust you here to help you with that. But I want to encourage them. Man, that was awesome. I I heard Jack Hayford uh, tell a story about how someone gave a tongue in the service, and Jack. So does anyone have the interpretation? This guy got up and he gave the interpretation. Jack said, man, I just want to tell you, I am so proud of you for stepping up. And I so appreciate I want you to keep trying. I don't think that's the interpretation, but I want to tell you, thank you for trying. I am very proud of you for trying because that is, that is faith. And I really want to 
thank you for your boldness to try it. I want to encourage you to, to keep going after it. But he said, now, I believe there's actual interpretation that does anyone think they have that? And then someone got up and gave an interpretation. He said, I witnessed with that in the spirit. Now, what we don't like is we think God should just never chastise us, but that's not true. Okay, that's read Proverbs 3 and Hebrews 12, and you'll you understand that God's love does exactly what kind of what Jack did there. Jack Hayford corrects us, but it only corrects us so we will go to a new level in him, not so uh, not to push us away, but to push us closer. All right. Who is he who condemns? It is Christ who died and furthermore is also risen, who is even at the right hand of God, who also makes intercession for us, who shall separate us from the love of Christ, shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword, as is written, for your sake we are killed all day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life nor angels nor principalities nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus. Now, remember we started this off. Can we turn off God's love? Can we be separated from, can sin separate us? Now, let me explain something. It didn't say sin and all that stuff, did it? Can sin separate you from God? Yes, in this sense. That when you're in sin, Sin causes death, number one, but sin also causes us to hide. In other words, what do I mean by that? Because when you sin, you hide from God. The shame, the guilt, all that stuff, you begin to hide. You begin to hide out. You don't talk to God. Now, in other words, you're like, either you want your sin or you're afraid to come back to God. Both of those got to be dealt with in love. Okay, in other words, if you're afraid to come back to God, when you sin, then you don't have a right understanding of God's love. I remember this when I started the church. I remember this. One of these, one of the girls at the church, one of the women at the church, kind of barked at Margaret, my assistant. You know, Margaret was just my spiritual daughter. She's still my spiritual daughter, but she was just, she didn't have any position at church, except I had her doing stuff for me. I had everyone doing stuff to, to in the church. And um, she kind of barked at Margaret, and it was kind of rude. And Margaret just looked at her and said, hey, I don't appreciate that. And and um, and then I called her in the office and I said, hey, we don't do that. Like, we don't treat people that way. We don't. And I explained to her that, you know, we love. I love you. I'm not mad. I just want you. She says, what do I need? She says, neither to Margaret will forgive you. That's not a problem. But I want you to know I love you. And I want you to know sometimes we come out of culture where being mean is acceptable. It's not that's not here now. She was in an abusive marriage, okay? But that's not God. And she said to me, I thought I was going to get hammered when you asked me to come in the office. She was ready to just take a beating. She says, all I did was find your love and grace. I said, that's what you find when you come to God. Even in your worst moment, you come to him. He's not going to beat you. He loves you. Remember, it says in 1 John that uh, punishment... Uh, it's torment. Torment involves fear. It's not God. That's the devil. Okay, but when we come to God and confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. 1 John 
one nine? Should we send all that? We're going to talk about that in a sec. But what sin does is it it divides me. So when I'm living a sinful life, when I look this way, when I live a life where I'm going, God, I'm not going to tithe. When I'm I'm not going to. Uh, repent. I'm not gonna. I'm gonna go after another woman. I, I'm creating a divided soul. Okay. I'm dividing my soul. I'm dividing my energy. I'm dividing my attention. So it would just be like if I had two families. I could only then give my family so much attention because I give the other family attention. Do you understand? Well, if I'm serving God, I can't serve God and sin. I can't have two masters. Jesus said that when you have two masters, you're going to, you'll either love Jesus. I'm just going to unparaphrase it for you. You either love God and hate sin, or you will desire sin. You will cling to it. You will grab onto it and you will despise God because the standard of God is opposing sin. And so you'll get mad at, you'll go, God's mean. God, because I, why is he mean? Because I want this and this is wrong. But I want it. And I actually, it says, Paul says that sin becomes our master. Remember, Jesus told us about divided masters. So when I serve sin, I make sin my master, and I've now moved myself away from God. I've moved myself under another master. It's not that God has left me. I've left the joy of the relationship for sin. Does that make sense? It didn't separate me as if God is separated. God didn't withdraw from me when I sinned. God didn't say, that's it, we're done. He didn't do that. I did that. We like to say, I didn't do that, I was right here. It's like when you have a kid or you have a prodigal, you know, and they leave. Now, if you kick them out because they did something wrong, that's different. I'm talking about, you have, you know, I've had prodigals who went after sin. They wanted an alternate lifestyle whether it be with another woman or be homosexual, whatever, and they leave. I didn't tell them to leave. They chose by what they desired, they left. But God was always there. And if they ever turn back their hearts, and I'm not talking about just talking to God. I mean, actually go, oh, what have I done, God? I haven't experienced you in so long. And they turn their affections back to them. God will meet them and cleanse them from all unrighteousness. they got to confess their sin. But if they just begin to turn, I I tell you what, I've known the story so much that when they begin to turn, God meets them halfway around the turn. It's like God's waiting eagerly for that, that turning. That's the love of God. So it's not that it's limitless. It's not that sin separates us on his end. It separates us from him on our end because we're disconnecting. I can't, you know, I mean, Kathy joke all the time. We're like, man, I don't know how people have an affair, man. That would be just so exhausting to have to do all that, you know. And we laugh because we, you know, we just absolutely love each other. We love our children. We love people, you know. And that would just be exhausting to me. I don't know how people do it. I I know people die. I don't know how they do it. It's too exhausting. And. By the way, you know, like one of the things my dad said to me was, I didn't divorce you, I divorced your mother. I said, well, dad, that's not totally true. He goes, what do you mean? I said, well, you could not, you had a mistress, therefore money, 
time, resources. We're taken away from the attention over here and we're given there. You might not think you're not, you're not able to do it. You might not think you did it. But that was the effect of us. That's what we felt. You might not, in your heart of hearts, you might have said, no, I love them. But you can't. That, that's the same way with God. Okay, I cannot sit there. By the way, my father came to Christ, and we had these kind of talks because I want him to get to the understanding of God's love, and, and that my, I would tell him, you don't have to defend yourself because there's nothing to defend there. It's sin. But I love you, and my father did love me, and he still loves me. He's with Jesus now. And I only say that because, you go, why do you use that? Well, my father's dead, and he's not worried about it anymore. Uh, I say that because um, that's so I don't use anyone who's alive in the scenario, but it's also my story. And, you know, you cannot, it's impossible for me to have two affections. You go, well, but your family, ah, but now my love for my family is enhanced by the love of God in my life and, and made me a better husband. And certainly made me a better father. Um, um, so that's the effects of the love of God. What is holy is affected positively. What is unholy is separated from us. Okay? But if I serve sin, then what is evil I cling to and what is not, what is holy, I move away because it's holy. And I can't, I, I, it, it annoys me. I despise it because every time I feel it, I feel my shame, my guilt, and my conviction for where I'm at. And so people blame God. They blame ministers. They blame, stop it. You made the decisions. Stop blaming everyone else. And that, that there might have been some fault there. It's not the point. Take the responsibility for your life and run towards God. I didn't tell God it's my father's fault. It's me, Lord, who sent. And I've sinned against you. It's not, not my father's fault. Not my wife's fault. Not my kid's fault. Not my work's fault. Me, Lord. I'm at fault. All right. So that's kind of that process. So it's not that God's always there. He's just waiting. Waiting. And there is a difference now. If you don't want to deny God or deny Jesus, that's not good. So that's a whole different scenario. All right. Now, what should our response be to love? Do we do nothing? Why well, I always have this saying that if I can just come and sit here and do nothing and experience God's love, then I'm in right relationship. But if I have to do something to feel God's love, then I'm in wrong relationship. Okay? I'm bartering. I'm, I'm trying to earn it. But our, our, our response should be love. And love should be, what's please? Look, I, uh, it's like this. You know, I don't really like doing dishes. It's not something I look forward to. I don't get up and go, oh, yeah, dishes. All right. Yeah, let's do some dishes. I don't do that. Okay? But what I do do is go, I know this is pleasing to Kathy. So I do things that I know are pleasing her, not to earn her love. She already loves me. If she was mean to me, I wouldn't do it, probably. I'd be like, I ain't doing that. You know, that would be my attitude. Probably probably be wrong, but it'd be my attitude. I ain't doing that. You know, but we don't have rules in the house. Someone cooks, someone cleans. We don't have that. We just do it. Because, like, I work out of the house. She works uh, down at Fleet Landing at her job. So I try to have meals ready for her when she comes home. And I do that so that she will not have that burden when she comes in the house. That she can just sit and relax and, and come home and eat. And then 
you know, we get ready for bed and then we laugh and we just finished Yellowstone. So we got to wait until November before season five comes out. But we'll watch something, laugh, and then she goes to sleep. And, you know, but we love each other and we have this relationship of just love. And because it's love, I want to do everything for her. I want to do as much as I can for her because I love her so much. That's our response to Jesus, to the Father, to the Holy Spirit. I love you so much that whatever you ask. Now, do I have to? Now you go, well, wait a minute, Lou. Can't, shouldn't I have that way right from the beginning? Well, you might think a new believer is going to have that from the beginning. But I think our problem is that we, we then try to get a new believer to mature through us instead of him. And maturity is going to come through experience God's love. I do give people opportunity to serve, but I, I, but God's love is the preeminent thing. God's love is the preeminent thing for us. God's love is that that place where we we absolutely trust in God, and and I know He loves me. I've seen God heal. I, I used to, I told this to Todd. I said, you know, Todd, I used to sit there. This is where I started discovering the love of God. I was ushering for Rodney during revival meetings and. I would stand behind people, and I knew the stories. I knew what they were going through. And it, it became my thing that I just want to see people touched. That's all I wanted, because I had experienced it. And I'd stand behind people, and I knew they were a mess, and God would pour out his love on them, and I'd feel it when I was ushering. And I'd just start, like, weeping and feeling his love. And you go, well, that was the presence. It was the fire. no. It was the love. His love is fire. His love is powerful. And I'd watch this over and over. And I got I the privilege of my life, really the privilege of my life, was to sit there and catch for Rodney Al Brown. It was the privilege of my life. And the reason it was the privilege of my life is because I got to experience the love of God touching so many people that I saw the love of God. And this led to me discovering the Father loves me. This is what led to it. It just changed my life. Now, you know, I've watched people in those meetings who would try to earn it. So they would sit there. Pat, they were usually ministers, and they would pray. Father, thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Thank you, thank you, thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. And they were trying to get it, and they couldn't get it. Why? Because they were, they were in this exchange, they thought if they gave enough thanks, God would do something. Now, if you don't do anything, you might not experience his love. Like if you don't engage him and all that, that's true. But there's a point where you just have to come and sit and rest in him. And just sit back and go, all right, Father, I love you so much. And just wait on him. Just wait on him. Because he loves you. I think that we get this all screwed up, and I'd love to do a whole series on, I do a stuff of a come and abide series, which talks about just contemplative prayer and sitting there, and even that, you know, um, just you want to be holy filled. Don't try to earn it. You don't have to earn God's love. I don't earn my wife's love. If I if, Look, at, if I have to do things for my wife to have sex with me, that's a prostitute, not a wife. Just let you know, you know. Just, we're just going to make that as clear as we can. That if that's what I do, that is not God. That is a prostitute. 
That is not godly marriage. If my wife has to do things for me to be kind and all, that's not love. Okay, that's not the kingdom. Okay, it, it's love. Love first. We speak the truth in love. We love, by the way, we love the Lord thy God with all our heart. That's Deuteronomy. I know you think Jesus says, but Jesus was quoting the law. And by the way, the law stated that. And then love your neighbor as yourself. That's also in Deuteronomy. He was quoting the law. And then you get into, then he's, the new commandment he gave was love your enemy. Because that was not in the law. And you go, why was it in the law? Didn't God want us to live? Well, the reason was he knew Israel would take on the attributes of the nations around him and serve their gods. And so he had to keep that separation. It was the love of preservation to his people Israel. Okay? And, uh, and the reason he doesn't judge all the time, he judges Israel right when they're on the teetering top, and then he would judge them. Okay, that's enough. If I let you go any further, I'm going to lose you as a people altogether. I'm not going to have any people left. Okay, it's not that the law demanded wrath. It's just, and by the way, you're not under wrath. If you're, you're not, I, I have, I have failed in life. I, I was a good sinner. Um, even as a Christian, you know, I've had bad days uh, in 32 years. No moral failures. I haven't cheated on my wife or anything like that. But I've had failures where maybe I, I didn't, the, the, the vision didn't come to pass like I thought it would, the, you know, the building or whatever, the, I, maybe even with people and leaders, I wasn't perfect. I got a little angry, got hurt. That happened a lot. And I've always found God's love waiting for me when I just turned to him. And, you know, there are times where I've stayed up all night praying until I got back in the love of God, literally, until I got back in the love of God. You know, taking such a hit that I, I had a fight to get back in the love of God. But I always found God was there for me and he'll be there for you. He loves you that much. And go listen to Todd's message on the love of God. But it is a love that we can't fully grip. He chose you. He loved you first. He loved you when you were yet a sinner. He loved you before the cross. He loved you before time. He loved you before the worlds were created. He loved you. And he hasn't stopped and he won't stop. There's no stop in that love train. However, if you're going to experience his love then don't create things that are going to pull you away from it. Okay, just like Proverbs says, don't look, you know, be careful, old man, when you go down that road, that adulterous woman's waiting for you. Hey, listen, saint, be careful of that adulterous spirit that wants to pull your affections away from Christ. That's called sin, and it'll pull you away. It could even be opportunity. It'll pull you away from the affections of Christ. Before you know it, you forgot who Jesus was. But God hasn't forgotten who you are. He loves you. Let's pray. Father, I thank you right now. I thank you for your love, Father. I thank you your love is, is never ending. It's never ending. And it's just increasing on us all the time. I thank you for that, Father. And I, I thank you for the, the love that you have shown us. So often and so readily. I ask that you increase the manifestation of that love until we're a body wholly filled and flooded with you. And help us, Father, fall in love with you so much that doing what you ask is just as simple as butter. Okay, because we just love you. We just, our hearts are so in line with you. We thank you for it. 
In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen, amen. God bless you, and I will talk to you later. Bye-bye.